Hi, my name is Mattia Murray, and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on The Longer Road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Welcome to episode four of The Longer Road, Being White at the End of 2021. This is about my experience with whiteness this year in particular. And if I end up doing this podcast for some years, which I would like to, I will probably do an update episode annually, which is why I put the year in. I'm kind of nervous to do this because I know I cannot do it perfectly, but that's exactly my point. I feel like it's important since I'm going to be talking about marginalized identities that include race and having on guests who are people of color or bodies of culture, depending on how you speak about it. I think it's important for me to be transparent about my privilege with whiteness and how that intersects with my other identities. White supremacy is damaging for everyone. And one thing I've been thinking about recently that I have really lost as a result of white supremacy is a true sense of community. And when I'm talking about white culture right now, I'm talking about dominant white non-immigrant European culture. I'm aware that first-generation immigrants from many places in Europe do have a strong sense of family and community. And I think that American European culture, and in particular the way that that intersects with capitalism, has created an extremely damagingly individualistic culture. And even if you just think about it from the perspective of the self-help industry, there are so many products and tools and books and courses about how you can fix your own life and take radical responsibility for and create anything you want. And that's not taking into account the people around you, the effects you have on other people, the effect that other people have on you, and the ecosystem of true community and culture. So I know for myself, what I saw around me modeled as community was really more what I would call white saviorism or martyrdom. And that could also be because I came out of a conservative church community. So that was, again, a very specific subculture within this. But I know that my impression coming away from that was that community was overgiving, martyring yourself for others so that you could feel smug, essentially, and good about yourself and get pats on the back from God for helping your neighbors. And in this case, probably literally your neighbors, unless it was in the form of a mission strip, which is directly white saviorism. I have a close friend and frequent collaborator named Pompey, who is a culture worker and very talented dancer and choreographer and interdisciplinary artist. And when we started working together, and they were telling me how they envision and incorporate community into their performances, I realized I had literally never thought about it from that perspective. The way that they thought about it and the way that they brought people in and included food and culture and created a truly inviting experience that was not just about us, the performers, giving something to them, the audience. It really changed the way that I related to community art making. And because we've done activism together, Pompey has also been very instrumental in how I think generally about everything. They've been a mentor to me on these topics as well. 
So based on where I'm at in my own learning, and I'm very much still on a journey with this, I wanted to go through six do's and don'ts that I currently use for myself in how I think about being in the world as a white person who is trying to learn and do better. Number one, don't think that there's a list of rules you can follow that will exempt you from committing harm. So even though I'm literally creating a list here, I want to be clear that there is no list of rules that is going to make you, a white person, never commit harm. We are part of this system. We are going to hurt people. Yes, we should reduce that as much as possible and obviously make amends, apologize, continue to learn. But unless you plan to live in segregation, which I obviously don't recommend, you can assume that you're going to do and say things that are at the very least insensitive or lacking in knowledge and almost certainly things that are actively harmful or triggering. And I know one of the ways that white people end up doing that in an attempt to get better is to ask the people around them who are people of color to educate them. So number two, do listen. Find people to follow and learn from and stay open to that learning. But don't expect any individual person to do any particular piece of emotional labor for you. And that includes telling you what to learn. There are so many resources online. You can Google things to read. You can find things that are at the level you're at currently. There are podcasts. You can follow people on Instagram. And I'm starting with listen because you don't even necessarily need to be asking questions to anyone in particular. If you're just paying attention, taking things in, and kind of following the ideas that you find challenging or that you don't understand, I would say essentially, if everything feels totally comfortable and happy, you're probably not digging very hard, right? This should feel challenging. And that's where listening is so, so important and such a foundational step that never ends. Number three is two things that go together. Don't take criticism against white people personally, but also don't act like it doesn't apply to you. If someone casually says, I hate white people, and they're saying that to you or in a group with you, that's not about you, most likely, unless you just did or said something. And taking it personally either way is not helpful. What we're looking for here are ways that we can be helpful and supportive and keep learning. So it's not helpful to take it personally. And at the same time, I don't personally think it's helpful to 100% emotionally remove yourself from that and say, that's not about me. Because it is. We are part of this system. And realistically, we are causing harm. Even if it's unintentional, it still matters. And if we act like that doesn't apply to us at all, we're putting ourselves in the position of the good white person, which I don't think exists or is a useful concept. That's not what I'm trying to be. And this is not some sneaky doublespeak thing where me saying that puts me in the good category. No, I really genuinely don't think the good white person exists in this sense. We can just do the best we can. Number four, do sit with discomfort and grief and process it with other white people. If you are allowing in some of that language that I was just talking about, the anger and frustration with white people, it may feel painful and you may need to process that. Other things we might need to process are grief over things we've lost due to white supremacy, just how 
incredibly damaging and violent the entire system has been. If you've studied history at all or read any memoirs, I mean, I think Angela Davis's writing is coming to mind for me right now because it's so vivid and gave me nightmares when I read it. And I could have just said, I'm not going to engage with this because I have my own trauma and, you know, I don't need more nightmares. And no, I don't. And you don't need to take in the most triggering version of whatever the information is. But I think it's really hard to learn about these topics if you're an empathetic person, if you are a compassionate person, if you care about people. It's very painful to learn the real history and what's currently happening. This is not just historical. This is current. Genocide is still happening in the United States. And we're not going to be useful or helpful if we don't process any of that and just wait until we're triggered while working with someone who is black, brown, or indigenous and end up taking it out on them or just leaving the situation, which is what happens a lot and why a lot of people are just tired of working with white people. It's important to be able to feel those feelings and decide how you're going to move forward. How do you want those feelings to motivate you? If you're having overwhelming guilt that's completely sidelining you, that's not helping anyone. But you do need to process it to the point where you can actually take action, keep learning, stay involved. Number five, don't steal language and ideas and pass them off as your own. Do give credit. As you're doing this learning, I have definitely noticed a tendency for white people to get really excited or motivated about sharing these ideas and to be sharing them and not giving credit or to be teaching them kind of from this feeling that I'm the good white person and I'm telling you what to do and if you do it, you can be a good white person too. Again, I just don't think that's a thing. And one of the ways that we can stay humble and stay in the learning is to be giving credit to our teachers, to the books that we're reading, to be quoting directly from the work where possible and giving credit. For example, I wanted to share something I learned recently from one of my favorite Instagram accounts, at Crutches and Spice, Imani Barbarin. She's Black and disabled, and she shared about the October 2021 International Tribunal on Human Rights Abuses Against Black, Brown, and Indigenous Peoples, and how they found the United States guilty of ongoing genocide, partly through abuses and systematic lack of access in the healthcare system. I hadn't even heard of that tribunal before I saw her make a reel about it, and it really does matter who you're listening to, because if you're getting most of your news from one or two sources, which most people do, you are getting biased news. So listening to a variety of people and really listening means that you're getting a broader influence of sources, of information. And if everybody's giving credit, we will all be better for it. Another account to check out that had a really great post about giving credit is Tiffany at fidgets period and period fries on Instagram. Posts from November 5th and November 8th, 2021. Because she's black and autistic and has autistic kids and her words were taken by another account and used without permission and without quoting her. And she wrote very powerfully about how this is not just her words, this is her entire lived experience that has come out in her language and that she's had to fight so hard just to be heard. So giving credit is just a bare minimum that we can do as we're learning. And then number six is do take care of yourself. I've heard multiple white disabled people essentially saying that they feel like they don't deserve to get help for their mental and physical wellness because they have the privilege of whiteness 
and people without that privilege may have, will have a much harder time accessing healthcare. And I don't see how that's helping anyone. If we want everyone to have excellent and equitable healthcare and to be addressing these huge things we're facing like climate change and climate racism, we need to be well and we need to be taking care of ourselves. If I had not had access to healthcare, I would not have gotten well enough to be making this podcast or to be doing any of the work that I'm doing right now. And this may not be the foremost thought at the front of your mind, but if this is in there, if this is a thought that you have buried in your head, I don't deserve to be taken care of, I don't deserve to be well, and part of that is dot 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 because I'm white. That's just not useful. The way I currently feel is that I'm going to make the most of the health access that I do have, and I'm incredibly grateful that I've been able to access trans healthcare when I lived in Massachusetts for over a decade. Having other marginalized identities, such as being queer or trans or disabled, does not negate our whiteness and our privileges from being white. And my whiteness doesn't mean that I should not be getting care for my chronic illness, for my mental health, and support for my transition. I know I'm talking about some fairly basic, fundamental things. I did not dive too deep on this in terms of theory or really specific writings. And part of that is that I am in this process still of just absorbing and listening and trying not to draw too many conclusions of my own. When I see white people performing wokeness on the internet and policing each other about really specific terminology, I get it, I've been there, it feels good, it feels like you're doing something. But I don't see that as interesting or useful anymore. I'm really interested in the direct work, the structural work, and I don't need to draw a lot of conclusions or have a lot of my own opinions in order to be a part of that and be supporting other people's work. I'm not trying to lead. I'm definitely trying to follow. And I'm trying to stay very open-minded in the meantime so that I can just keep letting information come in as I learn it and not be defensive and rejecting it. And like I said, there really is no set of rules. This is really just the way that I'm thinking about it currently. And one of the reasons I'm happy to be continuing to get healthier is that it's enabled me to be more involved in activism. When my health and mental health are more stable, it's a lot easier for me to actually show up and actually support and not leave or withdraw because I'm triggered. And because of that, I think one of the most important things that white people can do if they really want to be part of the solution and part of the problem, we're never exempted from being part of the problem, but if we want to be part of the solution, I really think one of the most important things we can do is continue to heal our own trauma. And as I talked about in episode three, that is not just an individual task. It is a task that we do in groups, in community, and the more that white people can heal their trauma and develop healthy community, the more we can support this work. I'm a little bit hesitant to create a reading list because I'm not trying to exclude the many important works out there. However, if you do have something, a resource that has helped you, and you'd like to send it my way, I may start assembling a list of resources attached to this episode in the show notes. That won't be up right when I post the episode, but if people are sending me things, I will continue to update it. My final thought about this 
is that this is not just about language and semantics. It's not about memorizing a list of terms and just using words correctly. A lot of white people are using terms decently well and then ultimately either not showing up for the work or giving up or causing harm when they get triggered. So if you're white and you're currently approaching these topics with the idea that you can get it right, I just encourage you to question that. Where did that idea come from and who is it helping? Because I actually think that that perfectionism is coming from a facet of white supremacy and that it's only helping to bolster white supremacy. So I say stop trying to get it right. Know that you're going to fail. You're going to mess up and just continue to make amends, to keep learning. And if you have the financial means, you can start paying reparations now through direct giving. Depending on where you live, you may be able to pay rent, voluntary rent for the land that you live on to the tribe that ancestrally took care of that land. And if you do have the means and you are paying some form of reparations, it's okay if it makes you feel good to give, but it doesn't exempt you from doing this work and continuing to learn and continuing to engage directly. And also if you have the money, this is a great time of year to give. Thank you for being here and for listening. I'm recording this on the ancestral land of the Lenape people, and I apologize that I did not include that in my very first episode. The fact that it didn't occur to me is exactly what I'm talking about when I say that our actions are going to cause harm. Not making a land acknowledgement was a form of harm, and it wasn't until I intentionally thought about whiteness in the framing of an episode that I realized I hadn't done it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your kind and tender heart and for everything that you've already done to make the world a better place. Let's keep learning together, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarae.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.